HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If you're a farmer in New York State, join the New York State Grown and Certified program to let people know your food is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Tim Gunn, author, educator, and Project Runway mentor, and you're listening to Heritage Radio. Welcome to Magnifico Radio, bringing you the latest in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. I'm your host, Kate Black, and this is Episode 8. If you live in a pre-war apartment, then you know the joy, crown moldings, unique finishings, and the pain, those tiny closets. Men and women prior to the 1950s just consumed less. Women had on average about nine items of clothing compared to today's wardrobes, where women own on average 68 pieces. And research shows we only wear 20% of what we own. And if you caught episode one, when I had best-selling author Elizabeth Klein on to discuss the havoc this consumption cycle is causing the planet, then you know the industry produces 150 billion garments per year. We buy, we wear, maybe, and then we discard. And our choices in this last regard seem to be the biggest concern these days. Are we purging to landfill? Yes, 85% of us are. Are we donating or, or, and today's guest is going to talk about the or and share some of the other options that are available. Rhea Yano is, along with her partner, have founded Material World as an alternative to disposal and in the process help us recoup a little of our investment and solve some of that buyer's remorse or consumer guilt in the process. Welcome, Rhea. Thank you, Kate. So nice to see you again. Can you tell our listeners what Material World is and what you've created? Sure thing. So Material World is a service that Gia, my co-founder, and I created about four and a half years ago. And we created it out of our own personal needs. uh, And it really is a service that helps anyone instantly refresh their closets with ease uh, without feeling the guilt uh, of going on and shopping for something new and wasting their pre-purchases. And how we do this is we offer a debit card to all of our customers that they can keep in their wallet so that anytime you have any fashions you're no longer wearing in your closet, all you need to do is mail it into us and we'll load your debit card real time with money that you can go and use to go and shop either new fashions or pre-owned fashions that we have collected. 
And it's so amazing because you fill such a void. And who came first, Maria Kondo or you guys? Because I feel like once everybody started to kind of condoize their their wardrobe, and for listeners who don't know, Marie Kondo believes that you should only keep things that you really love. So so a lot of this purging of wardrobes has kind of happened out of this like freeing up your personal space and freeing up your closets and saving its um, space for things that you love. So which came first, chicken or egg? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm a, a big fan of Marie Kondo's book and, you know, that concept of only keeping what spark jo- sparks joy and is current to you today is very much similar to our approach. Uh, now, what Marie Kondo doesn't talk about is, okay, well, when you decide to keep what sparks joy, what do you do with the rest of the pieces, right? And that's really where we come in at Material World is we offer a service that allows you to either donate to our charity partners at Housing Works or have your items be purchased by someone else uh, who will love that piece of, of clothing and give it another life. And so... Which came first? That concept that Marie Kondo has has is nothing new. You know, it's it came from her upbringing. She's from Japan. Uh, Japan is a you know very small country with limited resources and, and limited space. So you know the mindset has always been there to you know make sure that you're. Um, you know, you're efficient with your space. Uh, I do think that there is a bit of that cultural background that brought her uh, to fame, uh, but it isn't anything that's a, it's a new concept. It's very interesting, actually, that you bring up Japan because you're Japanese. I lived there for four years. Yep. And actually, my living in Tokyo really kind of framed a little bit about what I think about ethical fashion and consumption. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because in my final year there, somebody challenged me to do a kimono project. So I wore kimono for a year. Yes. And something about putting myself in a uniform and, and keeping my really finishing consumption. Because yep. once I had my five kimono, there was nothing else to buy. Um, so what... What I've noticed or what my experience in Japan was is that when people are purging or kind of condoizing um, these these items from their closet, they end up incineration is the is the number one choice. So how does that how do you reconcile incineration versus what you're offering? Like, for example, does your mother and your and your aunties, do they use material world now or are they still kind of trapped in in that cultural paradigm? It's really interesting that you mentioned the the cultural background. I think just to kind of take it a, a little bit towards, you know, what, how did Japan impact how we think about material world as well? Um, number one, you take really good care of your pieces, right? There is a culture that really um, makes sure that things last longer. So, you know, whether it's how you clean your merchant, your, your pieces or how you store it, uh, people are very specific about um, keeping it in great condition. And I think that the American culture is one where there's a, a bit more of that consumerism culture uh, because there is just so much abundance of items and, and space. You know, house, houses are bigger, closets are bigger. So, um, it's okay to have more items. So there is that divide in the, in the first place of, of culture and, and, and how we think about it. Now, unfortunately, Mature World is not in, uh, available in Japan yet, so um, my family would not be able to use it. But um, I do think that there's a different mindset uh, in those who are, you know, what would you, you would call millennials, you know, the younger generation that feels a little bit more comfortable with sharing 
you know, goods, experiences, you know, cars, homes uh, with others versus my pa- my parents' generation. Uh, while they do take good care of items, they may not feel as comfortable um, wearing something that was worn by someone else. That's true, and that's and that's really kind of that's something that the resale um, market as a whole is going to have to kind of come to terms with. And thank goodness for the younger generation and this whole kind of sharing economy. Because now that you're right, we share cars, we share apartments, come hotels, yeah. we share lifts even like it's just kind of going on and on and so that that makes this business model kind of resonate with them right it it, it, is that what you're finding that the biggest um yeah who is the biggest consumer for a material world right now yes or user do you call them users or consumers um there are users um since we're we're not creating anything new we're a service we're a platform that helps to facilitate the the matching and 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 giving forward that piece of item that needs a new place, right? So um, for us, our users are, there's a few different types of users. There are users who come to us to purely trade in. You know, they love it because it's easy. They don't have to wait for items to sell. Um, There's really no negotiation. You know, you come to us and we give you a price and it's done. You can decide it's risk-free. And they go and they want to shop new, new, new products with our retail partners. We work with you know, Neiman Marcus with Ukes, Bloomingdale's, you name it, all the retailers where we recommend products that are also new and available from them. Now, there's also our user base who is only shopping pre-owned items from our website. And these are, uh, these tend to be, it, it tends to be a more diverse uh um, crowd of women across the country uh, who love shopping quality pieces at accessible price points. And you can come to our site and shop for a DVF dress that is like new condition for $50, $60 versus buying it new for you know, $400, $500. So there is a different crowd that is there to purchase at, an, a, at, a, at a reasonable price point and then wear it for a season and then trade it in again with us and continue using that service. That's amazing. So um, it's the weather's just gotten a little colder. And so this is when I do my kind of annual transition from summer wardrobe to winter wardrobe. And I pack up all my summer things and usually stick them under the bed until next season. So when's the ideal time for people to send you their whatever they're, they're going to put into um, material world? And then how does the process work? It's a great question for users. We we love sharing some of the tips on what is the best way to retain the most value from the pieces that you have. Um, as a, a, a suggestion, we suggest that if you haven't worn an item for more than a year, it's time to trade it in. And the reason to do so earlier than later is that with every year, the value uh, and the the currentness of your piece of product will diminish. So the value that you'll get will decline over time unless it becomes a vintage piece, which takes years to, to become. So if you're not wearing it, trade it in. And But seasonality is very important, right? So you do not want to be trading in summer shorts uh, around this period mm-hmm. because the demand is not there when everyone's looking for winter coats and fall sweaters. So what you do want to do is time it 
uh, so that you're, you're sending in goods at the timing where people are shopping uh, those types of merchandise. Now, at Material World, we, we know that it's a bit of a hassle for our users to time or, you know, having to wait for the right period. So while we do suggest that, we do actually take in uh, items from all season uh, now, but it is the, the pricing does defer uh, based on whether there is enough demand for the product. That makes perfect sense. But for me, I can never just, I can never tell if I'm going to love it again next season. So mm-hmm. it always goes in under the bed. And yep. then I wait until, you know, the first smell of spring and I pull it out and I'm like, okay, no, 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 this is either this is, yes, I can't wait to wear it again. Or yep. no, this, I was done with this at the end of last season. Yeah. Well, our experience, you know, our relation to the pieces of clothing and that we buy is emotional, right? Because we are attached to how it makes us feel, you know, why we purchased it. How, why did we want this? You know, it makes us feel a certain way or represent a part of who we want to be. Uh, And so it's not easy. You know, it's, it's okay that it's hard to let go. Um, And if that's the case, we suggest, you know, keep it. You know, we, the last thing you want is to let go too soon and regret what you've traded in. Uh, that's why we also make our service risk-free. So you might, you'll get an offer from us, but you can ultimately reject and have items returned to you if you, you know, sense that uh, feeling of, uh, you know, not not being sure whether you're ready to really let it go. That's true. That's so funny, actually. And only in this conversation, I'm having this flashback of when I left Japan and then I tried to resell my kimonos because I bought all my kimono mm. on the resale market. And, and because I'm taller than the average Japanese woman, I thought, okay, I should really leave these kimono in Japan. And then at the resale market, when he was offering me the price, I just had this visceral moment where I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't let it go for that price. Like the, the connection between my feeling about the garment, what yeah. I paid for it and what the resale offer was mm-hmm. just kind of solidified it. I'm not sure if I made the right choice because <laughs> that kimono is also under my bed. Yes. <laughs> but um, so when people send you things, so tell me, so walk me through the, the moment. So yes. do you send envelopes or boxes or yes. so um, our users they access our website first it's materialworld.co uh, and if you're looking for a closet refresh you can request a trade-in kit from us uh, from our site uh, and it's completely free we mail you a kit that includes a large and durable poly mailer bag that you can use to put in anything that you don't want uh, from your closet and you know you can do it 24 7 whenever you feel like it we also include a list of a, around 260 brands that we accept uh, as shoes, handbags, clothing, and accessories. And uh, you can use that list to kind of walk through your closet and and have that kind of Marie Kondo moment uh, where you decide what you're ready to let go. Now, we also have a prepaid shipping label included so that you can then label that in and uh, uh, call UPS for a pickup or drop it off at your nearest, nearest station. And do you have hyper users? Do you have people who actually understand, like, oh, that are like playing the resale value, so that they're pulling pieces from Material World, absolutely, giving them absolutely. a couple wears, and then well, it's really interesting you ask that, since for our repeat customers, um, they use our service uh, once every two months, and on average, you know, each trade in consists of about 10 items. So you can imagine, you know, this is not just end of year cleaning out your closet because it is end of year. It's part of the experience of, hey, if you're shopping for new things, it's time to get rid of a few things. Like continuously refreshing and refining and, and, and retuning your closet as you 
you you know you evolve in your 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 vision for how, what you want to 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 wear and how you want to represent yourself changes and we want to be easy and accessible enough that that's not blocking you from doing so and this is your this is really the core of your vision of sustainable consumption right that you can buy secondhand do you, you also sell new on the website that's right so you can you can you're a one stop shop for buying it, sending it back and kind of keeping this cycle in a in a closed space. That's right. So our view of, you know, sustainability is such a hot topic, um but you know, we have a, a quite a different philosophy from, you know, some of the other, you know, players out there. We think that, you know, sustainability should be or easy and accessible for our users to achieve. It shouldn't be such a difficult thing to do. And you know, on one hand, the fashion industry is encouraging constantly encouraging shopping new things right and then on the other hand the sustainability experts and the environmentalists are saying don't shop at all just continue reusing and we don't think i neither is sustainable right we think that yes you know we as humans we have a desire to continue to experiment with new things but let's be smart about it and let's make a conscious decision to invest in quality pieces so that even if we are done with it there is someone else that's going to be you know using that and and continuing to share that life that product so that we can extend the life cycle of each quality piece That's so amazing. I love that. Okay, let's take a quick little break and then we'll come right back and carry on the conversation. And this one is called Canyon by EULA. We'll be right back. New York State cares about New York's farmers. That's why we've developed the New York State Grown and Certified program. It's a seal New Yorkers can look for when they're shopping for food that comes from local farms. Customers are more likely to buy food that has the New York State Grown and Certified seal because it tells them that it comes from a farm that follows environmentally responsible farm-safe protocols. In other words, the New York State Grown and Certified seal tells them their food is grown right. right here in New York state. You're a farmer with a lot to do, but the time it takes to sign up for the program is a great investment for your business because it lets shoppers know that your food meets higher standards, has passed assessments, and is produced by environmentally friendly farming practices. To learn about participating in the program, go to certified.ny.gov. And we're back. This is Kate Black and you're listening to Magnifico Radio and I'm having a chat with Rie Yano from Material World. So, you have a partnership. So, I'd like to know, I'd like to talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial journey here. Mm-hmm. What came first, the partner or the idea? The partner. Okay. Uh we so Gia and I uh we go back to 2008. We were friends and classmates from business school at Harvard and uh we you know 
we had no idea when we were in school that we would start a business together uh, later on, but we were one of the very few, I would call, minorities in business school that um, came from a very atypical background. You know, we weren't investment bankers. We weren't management consultants. My background was I was a spokesperson for a big Japanese company in Tokyo, and my co-founder's background was in logistics and operations in Chicago. And these were two very atypical roles to go into an MBA program. So we bonded immediately. Um, and when we graduated, we were also very unusual in that we decided to move to New York and join, you know, work in fashion, uh, in the digital space in fashion. So I worked at Coach and Digital, and she worked at Ralph Lauren and J. Crew in their e-com departments. And we just kept on, you know, catching up and, and sharing our experiences working in in fashion, especially in the digital space, which was, you know, slowly but surely, you know, developing and, and becoming a more and more meaningful um, part of a brand strategy back in 2010. Amazing. And so um, I teach at FIT, I teach ethical fashion, and I consult with um, some fashion clients. And I'm always trying to encourage them not to lock themselves into um, one single singular direction, because I think you need room to pivot. Did you guys pivot in the launch of Material World? <laughs> Hundreds of times. I mean, at this point, it's almost a joke, I think, the word pivot. Uh, because part of uh, part of our core values is is we call it reinvention. It's our ability to continue reinventing ourselves and evolving what we stand for. So, it's part of what we uh, value, and we want our customers to also reinvent using our service. But it's also kind of the story of our company as well. Um, when we started, we had the exact same you know mission and, and um, perspective we do today, which is. We did want to create the service that helps um, ease and, and, and refresh uh, and, and do so in a way that uh, involves the fashion industry so that we can make a larger impact. So that's not a, a single resale company, but it's really, making a, it's really transforming the way that consumers and users think about how they shop or how, how they engage with, with what they use. Um, but the product that we launched was nothing like what you see on our site today. Uh, we started it with, uh, it was a very scrappy start as with any startups. Um, we were still working at Coach and J. Crew, and we thought, you know what? No one believes us that people would want to shop pre-owned used clothing online. You know, why would you do that? You know, yes, there's eBay, but, you know, specifically for clothing, what's, you know, is there even a need for that? So we wanted to prove that by creating this very um, simple one-page website where we introduced 10 influencers uh, in, in the space of fashion, and we basically raided their closets and put them up for sale for a two-week pop-up. So you were the original Depop, really. That was back in 2012. Okay. So, yeah. So, and we really hustled for that. You know, we, you know, cold called, cold emailed, tweeted at, and, and really kind of collected a, a, a group of amazing, you know, people who, you know, who had great following. You know, we had Leandra Medine, the man repeller. We had Stephen Allen, who, you know, the, the founder of the brand, Stephen Allen. 
we had jewelry designers, uh, the Danijo sisters. We had some of the best kind of models and DJs that you know uh, are related to Fashion Week, and we thought, wow, if we can get this crowd to really you know think, oh, yeah, that's really cool, you know. Reselling my clothing—it's not something to be shameful of. Actually, it's—it's it's a really cool concept that you can pass it on and, and pass it forward, and that was really successful. So we we launched it and we ended up selling you know everything that was listed, uh, but it wasn't an easy endeavor. You know, we didn't have any team members. We lit- literally just—it was Gia, my co-founder, and I, literally going into everyone's closets, you know, taking the garments. You know, putting them on ourselves and taking photos of them, you know, on ourselves, and you know, and and creating a scrappy website out of it. I love this idea. Okay, so how did this move then? Because was it not sustainable? Like it sounds, it was successful. It was. It was great to get the word out, right? It was. We got a lot of awareness around. Oh, what is this? This new thing. It's it's quite cool. But at the end of the day, we wanted to create a service that is. Can be used by you know all the women uh, you know across the country, and our learnings were that um, when we created the service, initially it was a it was essentially a peer to peer marketplace model where our users who are selling would list items you know themselves, put the price on it. If it sells, they're you know packaging it, ship, shipping it directly to the to the buyer, dealing with returns if it comes back. Um, and our buyers also had to have trust that our sellers were going to be sending them items as described on our website, you know, at a timely manner. And we had a lot of challenges there since, as you can imagine, we're all very busy. You know, we, we wish we can sell everything, you know, in our closets ourselves, but oftentimes there's just no time um, to to really prepare things in a way that maximizes the value of, of the goods you have. So what ended up happening was there was a little bit of a trouble with, um, you know, shoppers not getting the items in time um, and uh, us not being the mediator also didn't help to provide a, a sense of, uh, of, uh, uh, of confidence that all the items are authentic and so we had a lot, you know, we made a lot of mistakes, you know, and we started talking to the to the customers, you know, saying, hey, you know, like, what do you not like? What do you like? You know, what would make you want to you know, list more items? And, you know, the constant feedback we kept on getting was that everyone is way too busy to be doing this themselves. If only someone else can manage the selling and they can just focus on earning and, you know, moving forward with with the fun part, which is, you know, shopping, then that would be a better solution. So when we realized that, it was about a year after we had launched the service and uh, we had started building out the service. And, you know, it was, you know, quite a, a shocking, uh, you know, experience for us to think about how to move from one product experience to a completely different one as the same brand. And we started experimenting on the side. So we thought, you know what, hey, let's listen to what our our existing customers are saying and let's give it a shot. Let's just do it on the side, put another brand name on it. Let's create a a, a one-page website and just say, hey, we'll do all the work for you. You just mail in things you don't want. We'll send you gift cards um, from ShopBop and Saks. So we essentially created this website that had really no, nothing else but this message. And 
started to test it out. You know, we did a few Facebook, you know, ads, promoted it online, and you know, and in a month, we were quite surprised and and um, excited to see that it resonated so well that we started to get. You know, hundreds of items just mailed into our then office. We were working out of a co-working space with absolutely no space, but we started getting these <laughs> these trade-in bags from everywhere. And we're like, you know, wow, wow, it's 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 working. It's resonating. You know, people really want that ease, that hassle-free experience, and that anima- anonymity, right? That's some right. of the past guests have talked about. That's there's right. something. There's some moment for some people that's very uncomfortable about bringing your own clothes. Somewhere for trade-in or for evaluation, yes. or um, so it's nice that you can just fold them up and put That's them right. in the envelope. No judgment. Yeah, right. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And so let's talk about um, because the material world is ostensibly a luxury trade-in, second-hand, new um, website. So do you take any of the high street or fast fashion brands? So we have a list of around 270 brands. We actually revisit the brand list every quarter and have continuously added new brands to it. Uh, We don't take fast fashion. Um, Most of our brands are contemporary um, brands and as well as uh, European designer brands. Uh, And the way we decide this is is really twofold. You know, one, um, there needs to be a demand for the market, uh, for the product, uh, because we need to find a match uh, for the items once we do take it in and make an offer. So we are constantly learning about real-time data of what is the value of a certain brand and category today. And it is pretty different uh, and, and it's very much influenced by the trends in the new space the new retail space as well so if you see that all of a sudden Gucci um, became a, a new hot brand um, because of the new designer then you suddenly see the re- resale value of old Gucci products also increasing value so a lot of that information we can only collect from the kind of fair market, um, you know, where we're actually selling the goods and collecting data on what are users willing to pay for it in the secondhand market. And, and that really helps us determine whether we can accept the brand or not. Well, and I love it too, because the, a lot of times the conversation about the why of fast fashion is the affordability. But if you're creating a marketplace where you can buy something that's perhaps better made, that has, you know, perhaps longevity kind of sewn in the seam, so to speak, and then offering a resale value, then, then the affordability gets put on its ear a little bit. hundred percent. So we love to talk about like the actual price points because it it matters so much to our users. So let's say you go to an H&M or you know, Zara and you buy something for $39 and you think that you got a great value um, versus a lot of the brands that we carry uh, at Material World would have a full retail price of anywhere between $300 to $800 for a dress. Now, you can actually find that dress secondhand on our site for $60, right? You buy that dress, you wear it for a season, and you realize, you know what? I want to buy another dress, but it's still in great condition because I took good care of it. You can trade it into us and we'll make another offer for, let's say, $30. So what you end up happening is you 
only pay $30 to have the experience of wearing something that is high quality, made to last. Um, and then you also get to let it go so that someone else can use it after you. So you essentially are not creating trash and are able to enjoy higher quality pieces for a lower cost. I love this. I love the whole idea. I love the whole concept. I could talk to you all afternoon, but guess what? We're out of time. Oh, no. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much. So tell, tell the listeners how they can learn more and where they can get their envelope and how they can kind of carry on the conversation with themselves and their wardrobe. Absolutely. So um, you can find Material World at uh, materialworld.co. And uh, when you access our site, you can either request a trade-in kit if you're uh, excited to refresh, or you can start browsing new and pre-owned items to shop directly on our site. I'm so thrilled you're here. So you've been listening to Ria Yano from Material World. I want to thank Roberta's, which is home of the Heritage Radio Network, where you can find me each Monday live at 1 o'clock. You can always listen to Magnifico Radio on iTunes or Stitcher. And please check out our blog or sign up for our newsletter at magnifico.com. And if you heard me last week, I've launched a new email, radio at magnifico.com, for any tips or suggestions or feedback. Let me know. And until next week... for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.